Welcome to another episode of Tell Me More. We are so glad that you are joining us. Uh, we are having a discussion about parents need to parent. Uh, it's a really great discussion uh, with Dr. Wiles, Katie Reed Hodges, and myself, Luke Stair. We hope you enjoy it, whether you're a parent or not. Um, we hope there's something meaningful for you to glean. Welcome to this episode of Tell Me More. I am in the podcast. I, Katie Reed Hodges, am in the podcast studio with Luke David Stair. That's me. Dr. Dennis Ray Wiles. Oh, no. And let's just call it what it is. Our producer, Kyle Andrew Judkins. Right. Kyle, what's your last name? Kyle. His last name is Judkins. He's married to Chelsea. Oh, you mean his middle? You were asking him his middle. You oh, what did I say? Oh, sorry, buddy. Okay. I got the triplet brain. And there's a fun fact that every week... When we hit the record button, there's like a 30 second pause, and we mostly just sing about oh, it's to Kyle. Kyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's the only one that hears it. Right. Yes. <laughs> and we do love Kyle. So, we okay, do. well, um, glad that Kyle's here listening in just to make sure our audio works correctly because we've had a little bit of problem with this little machine in here. Mm-hmm. And it's Kyle works, two. it's actually take three. <laughs> and, and we're all parents. And yeah, we wanted we wanted Kyle's input as a parent who's mm-hmm. just a few steps ahead of me, mm-hmm. doing a great job. He and he and Chelsea. So mm-hmm. uh, we're all here together. But we are talking about parenting. Doctor Wiles preached Sunday on the topic of parenting, mm-hmm. and there's lots to talk about. But you chose the text from Deuteronomy, the Shema. I did, which is this foundational text for mm-hmm. the, the life of Israel. And Doctor Wiles, I mean, can we jump right in? Mm-hmm. May, may we? Please. May we? <clears throat> may we? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was asking all, you know, parties, all three parties here in the studio with me. <laughs> you chose this foundational text from mm-hmm. Deuteronomy, the Shema, mm-hmm. to talk about parenting. Can you mm-hmm. tell us why you chose that? Well, the real reason I chose it is because Luke has it tattooed on his hand. And you thought, I need and to I read thought, up you on know that. What? And I saw it and I thought it intrigued me. And um, so um, actually, I'm glad I could be actually, an inspiration. Actually, Luke does have Shema tattooed on his wrist. So which is a fulfillment of the command itself in some ways. There was some intentionality you in know, that, yeah. So there you go. But um, yeah, you know, the reason I wanted to do it is because I wanted to ground parenting, which I think is the appropriate thing for Christian parents today. Um, Hebrew parents in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. um, for sure, to ground parenting in the context of, our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Shema actually calls for, is this expression of the core faith of Israel. Here, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord our God is one. Mm-hmm. So this idea that that Yahweh, the God of Israel, is the is the one and only true God. And mm-hmm. this and this statement of faith is something that the the people of Israel chose to place in their daily prayer regimen. And so to me, it was just a, a good way to begin a conversation about parenting because I wanted to make sure that our parents know that responsible parenting, I believe, begins with you having a true deep walk with God mm. and that that core commitment that you have in your relationship with him, that's what really spills out into your relationship with your children. Mm-hmm. So, But it starts with you. I mean, when the text says, have these on your own heart, mm-hmm. we'll have this truth in you first. And mm-hmm. so that's really... What I wanted is foundational text, very famous one. Plus, I like the 
flexibility and somewhat practicality of the instructions given to parents in Deuteronomy. So mm. it all kind of fit together for me. Well, there's much to unpack there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to unpack. Which way do you want to go, Luke? I mean, so one of the things I've been thinking about, I'm a parent. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. So my oldest has just started the public education system. And one of the things I think through and wrestle through as a parent in Arlington, which if you don't live in Arlington, you may not know, but uh, you need Ar- to move here. You need to move yeah. here. It's yeah. a great place to Immediately. live. Immediately. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Got a little house, I'll sell you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is little, but, but it's a house. It's okay. Arlington's yeah. diversity, for those of you who don't know, rivals New York cities, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of ethnicity, religion. I mean, we are up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're raising kids in Arlington and you're raising them in public education, um, my daughter interacts with people of different faiths, um, different worldviews on a consistent and regular basis. And some of those people are influential adults in her life at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, this question of how am I raising children in not just the story of Christianity, but it's something that is part of who they are, that Jesus is central to their identity from an early age. Thinking about this through the lens of the Shema, I'm glad you went this way mm-hmm. because it, it clarified some of the things I've been thinking about around this question of, well, what does it look like to raise children in this setting in a way that's faithful? And I you preaching about the Shema brought it back to mind that the Israelites typically were mm-hmm. <laughs> a religious minority in a mm-hmm. pluralist That's setting, right. whether that was in mm-hmm. the ancient Near East surrounded by child-sacrificing polytheists mm-hmm. or in the era of the New Testament surrounded by the Greek and Roman pantheon and the mystery religions of the age. They were frequently people who lived as religious minorities and were raising children to live faithful lives following God. Mm-hmm. And... They did it because of this framework of the Shema. So as you get up, as you lie down, as you're going, remember these commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then impress that on your children as you get up, as you lie down, as you walk, as you go. And so just thinking that the people of God are ultimately the roadmap for how we do this in the mm-hmm. setting in which we find ourselves raising mm-hmm. children. It's good It's good to be reminded in general that we're not living this this postmodern or what, what do you call late, it? Late modern. Late modern, like <clears throat> late modern era we're living in, in the Western world. It's not the first time the people of God have been facing a culture they might not agree with mm-hmm. or the, the religious minority right. or persecuted. Uh, yeah. if, if we are persecuted right mm-hmm. now, we could debate that. But it's good to be reminded of that. And so when we do look for how to be good family members, parents, how to do, we're, we, we actually have scripture that's pretty relevant to teach us the way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And in yeah. fact, the church often flourishes in the more persecuted mm-hmm. areas. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't want to sound pessimistic either, because and I've come at this from the lens of being a missions person. I think if this is tremendous opportunity, there is so much. I think hope and optimism in this setting of I my, to make my household this missional light in our community. But I have to be intentional about doing that. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that my children are surrounded by people of other religions brings. Tremendous opportunity for us to be a light for Christ in the world. So I'm not looking to shrink back from those opportunities or relationships or disengage or kind of shut our family down. There are times that I want to do that and it's tempting. Um, But remembering that God's people, even in the Old Testament, were called to be this light in the world. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. Christ just amplifies that command for us. And so Mm -hmm. turning my household into this light. Um, 
in our community. Wow. Okay. So much there. Mm-hmm. One, how do you turn your household into a light for the community? Mm-hmm. Go. Still figuring that one out, <laughs> but I'll take some wisdom here. Dito. <laughs> well, I, like I said, I think that's why the Shema passage is so foundational because it falls on the parents. You know, you don't you don't expect your children to have the perspective, the maturity to know how to do something like that. That's the parent's role. And so we embrace that ourselves first. And then we get the chance to decide how to implement what we believe in how we behave and how we just do life. And you typically find that most represented through your habits, just through how you engage your life every day. Mm. You know, it's uh and so then that leads to, I think, the, the reason why we should be intentional about our habits, you know? I mean, like, you know, like if, you're, if you're somebody and you decide, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose weight. I've decided I'm, this is what I need to do. Or if I'm, I'm going to get back in shape or mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, pick something. Mm-hmm. Then you have to intentionally decide I'm going to do this and not that. And, and you have to get to the point to where it becomes so much a part of you that it really becomes habitual. Mm-hmm. And so those habits are very important. So I think one of the way one of the pathways to being that missional light is to build the right habits into your home that are emerging out of your core convictions. Mm-hmm. You know? And so um that's and, and and I feel like everybody has first of all the responsibility to do it, but then you have the opportunity to figure out how to do it creatively. That's what I, what I meant a while ago when I like the way this text in Deuteronomy frames the parent's responsibility because it gives you enough suggestion, you know, um, but leaves room for you to figure it out. Because the, the, the way that, to me, the way this text works is it starts with the internal, put this on your heart, goes to your family, mm-hmm. impress this on your children. It goes to your everyday life, wear it on your arms or your wrists, wear it on your forehead. So when you're out in public, even put it on your house. Just just mark your house, you know. So when mm-hmm. every time you leave, every time you come back, there it is on the doorpost, you know. Or, or when neighbors walk by, obviously this is who these people are. So to me, that's kind of a holistic um, application of your core relationship with God. It should govern everything about your behavior. We just happened on. Sunday to focus on the parental side of it. Mm. We could have just as easily talked about how do you engage in the in the public sphere, you know. Whereas, you know, I know, uh, and Luke, we've talked about this. Sometimes there are Jews who take this literally, so they actually wear the teachings on their wrists and they have it attached to their foreheads. These phylacteries. Was that exactly what God meant in this text? I, I don't know. I just know that's happened. I would interpret it a little more symbolically, that's just how I would have viewed it, that it's in your hands. This is what you put your hands to and, and what you're thinking about. It's on the front of your mind all the time. And and then when you're out in the marketplace, it's how you behave and you're reminded of it because it's just so much on your on your mind. And then it's on the doorposts of your home, you know, says so this is how we live our lives. I'm marked as a as one of the God's children. But we decided I since it was a focus on family I just chose the parenting piece of this, but we could have taken it to how you behave in public, how you engage in business. I mean, the whole thing, I think, is there for us. So I think when it comes to your own home, you know, what? when I'm doing premarital conversations with the couples, we talk about what does it mean to build your own home? Because now you're going to get the chance to do that. 
And I asked them to set a goal of building a home that is biblically-based, Christ-centered, spirit-filled, and has a certain missional purpose to it. And your hope and your desire is that it becomes a refuge for you, that it becomes a place of blessing for you, and that it becomes a magnet for you and others that you're drawn to and that others are drawn to so that you can look forward to going home every night. And you can rear children in that kind of environment where the home becomes like a magnet to them. It's a, it's a powerful draw to them. There's love that extends beyond whatever their circumstances are. So, And the text says, okay, well, here's how to do it. First, impress. And that's that, mm-hmm. as I taught someone, yeah, an- that thumbprint. That mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good word chosen in the Shema. Yes. Impress it upon your children. Impress it, and yeah. so, so that's a part of our job to, uh-huh. to shape, form. And then the practical kind of framework when you lie down, when you rise up, when you're walking along the road. In other words, the way I read that is in your real life, you do it. Mm-hmm. And so does that mean... You know, you don't need to have like quote unquote family devotionals as a Christian family, Christian parents. I would say, no, I think you probably should. I think you should figure out in the rhythm of your life how to do that. Mm-hmm. Every family's different. Um, we did that when our kids were little. We we finally realized trying to do that every day was just really difficult. So we tried to capture moments along the day and then have just kind of one day where, okay, this is what we do at supper, you mm-hmm. know, or whatever, bedtime. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, and I think that's important. I think it's important for children to see their parents engaging in spiritual disciplines and trying to help them understand them. But as you go along the way, as you rise up, you know, those bedtime blessings, the morning mm-hmm. greetings, the, um, you know, just finding your way, um, along the road. You know, we, <clears throat> in our original podcast, we talked about this, but I'll just talk about it again. First time we bought a car that had the sunroof, which you tend to call. No, I sure remember back in the you, day they called it a moonroof. A moonroof. Yeah. Okay. And I think I do think you're right about that. Well, the original one we had didn't. I feel like open. when I was a kid, we talked about moonroof. And a moonroof. Somewhere yeah. along the way, we yeah. call them sunroof. Are they the um, same piece well, of glass? I, were, I don't know. If I were old enough to be your dad. If you it, were, which once again, let's hit it. Okay, I was born in well, 1985. Okay. And you were married in uh, 81. But that and doesn't Luke, you were born mean I was in, ready. I was born in 1990. Uh-huh. Okay, Kyle, so somewhere he, in between. Yeah, 88. Oh, Lord, help so me. So we are please, your children. Please. Yes. Okay. Yep. So first one, we bought, us. first one we bought. Father Dennis. It, it didn't open, but it had a shade that opened. In other words, but it was a manual thing. You could uh-huh. reach up but there. The just, but the, the glass was set. The glass was set. Okay. One of the first times we're driving down the road at night, and, and Hannah asked us to open it up. And of course, we thought it was the coolest thing ever. You've got a a window on the roof of your car. And what kind of car was it? Have we talked it about was, this? Uh, Paint the picture. It was it was it was one of the little one of the original kind of SUV Mitsubishi uh-huh. thing, you okay. know. Mm-hmm. So and I really thought I had, you know, it was pretty cool. You'd arrived. Oh, well, you know, yeah. Pretty much. Pretty, pretty, pretty much. much. And okay. uh, it's kind of like when I got that second refrigerator out in the garage. Oh, know, when, I know. We you, just got one. You, That's when you're the big time. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can say, let me go Yep. Wait a minute. I got that at my fridge right yep. out in the garage. But anyway. The garage fridge. Yeah. And, uh, We've so, arrived. We don't have two toilets in our house, but we have two, <laughs> two refrigerators. <laughs> but, um, well, you know, open that thing that we're driving. And then Hannah just said something like, man, the moon is really bright tonight. Mm. We're just driving, which then just triggered in me. 
well, you know, it's an interesting. I wonder how far the moon is from us. I wonder how the moon stays in the sky like that. I wonder who mm-hmm. put the moon there. And the next thing you know, we're having a spiritual conversation about creation, mm-hmm. unplanned, not necessarily something I'd thought about. But I had tried to take this text Mm -hmm. to heart. Okay, here's a chance to just teach along the way. So that's what we tried to implement, Mm -hmm. you know, and hopefully it gave others, whenever they were with us, to experience that very same thing. So Mm -hmm. when other children were around, we didn't change how we did things just because we had guests. Mm -hmm. So so I think that's where it starts, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, being that missional light. It starts with your own family, helping them to understand who we are, why we are, why we don't do some of these things, mm-hmm. why we do other things, yep. you know. Um, well, and this, y'all, Luke and Dr. Wiles, y'all are pretty hot on this book. We are. Mm-hmm. Habits of the Household. Mm-hmm. Yep. Justin Whitmull early. Yeah. Justin. Luke, Luke turned me on to it. It's been good. And yeah, tell us what you like about it, because I hear some things about the as you go and kind of the habits that we're, it seems like we're pulling it. We at least, it's either confirming what we already believe or we're learning it from this guy. I think it's definitely Shema style parenting. Mm-hmm. Feels like it. Um, in the, Kyle, in our the sense that it's in the room is in our. We have this group. This is my shameless plug. If you are a dad of young kids, we have a group called Dudes Being Dads. We meet at nine p.m. on Zoom. You can email me if you are interested. We'd love to have you. Luke dot stare s t e h r at, at f b c a dot org. There you go. We'd love to have you wherever you are. You don't have to live in Arlington. Mm-hmm. It's it's the this. internet. That's right. They meet um, on the internet. But you'd be better off if you did live in Arlington. Arlington's a great place. Zillow, Z-I-L-L-O-W dot C-O-M. <laughs> 76013. Uh, but I love this book. Um, this is the second book I've read by this author. I am working through it now for the first time, actually. Um, but what I like about it is it's very practical. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like real parents could actually do it. Yeah. Is that what I'm I mean, hearing? he's a lawyer. He used to be a missionary in China. Um, is a lawyer now, has four sons between like the ages of in and three yeah, or three four, maybe. God home. bless them. So just living a very real life mm-hmm. uh, as a parent. Um, and so just the tips have been very practical. It's every chapter is kind of a different breakdown. So mm-hmm. uh, after you get to the introduction, it's habits of waking, habits of mealtime, uh, habits of discipline. Mm-hmm. The discipline chapter is probably one of the best chapters I've ever read on discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Screen time. Um, Family devotions, marriage, work, play, mm-hmm. conversations. How do you teach your kids to have conversations? Mm-hmm. And then bedtime. Um, so just orienting real practical habits around just real life with children. Um, and also, mm-hmm. what we're talking about, because some of those topics reminded me, our youth ministry has a podcast called It Takes a Village, which is trying to equip parents of, of older teens, particularly, I mean, older uh, older kids, teenagers, yeah. preteens, teens, teenagers, and podcast. and it is, and it, I know it talks about some of those same very topics. And so, if you found this podcast, you can find that one. Mm-hmm. It takes a village, another First Baptist podcast. That's even if you don't have good. teens, but you just want to empathize with what parents of teens are going through these days. Mm-hmm. If you just want to look over the shoulder and listen mm-hmm. in, be valuable. Was this cha- It's always been challenging. It's teenager parenthood, but it. it mm. yeah. And we yeah. as a church want to support we do. parents trying mm-hmm. to figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And I like I, another, I think several things I'd say about this book, Habits of the Household. One, it's written from in the trenches. So this is someone who's, this is not James Dobson. It's not a psychologist, nothing is James Dobson. But this man's not mm-hmm. a psychologist or therapist or child rearing expert. Yeah, not a child minister, He's a children's minister. Dad. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who's just trying to figure out. 
you know, how do I change mm -hmm. what I begin to perceive as negative, habitual patterns in my family? Mm -hmm. That's kind of how the book starts. Yeah. Right? And just it is. He has that moment of, mm -hmm. so this is what my children are going to remember. Mm -hmm. th th these kind of nights. This, this is what my this, normal is. This is me it. being mad. Yeah. And then and, yelling mm -hmm. at them, God loves you, go to bed. Right. <laughs> and uh, and then feeling like you've accomplished something because you, you at least said it and you got them to bed. <laughs> and him realizing that's just not, this is not what they need to remember. Yeah. So, and they can't change the habits in the household. They can't. Mm -hmm. But you can. From the top. Right. Yeah. And then what I also like about it is the, the, the way he... He encourages you to embrace the awkwardness of any transition where you, you just announce, like he says, you just announce, okay, from now on, on Wednesday nights, this is what we're going to do. And everybody's like, okay, then they're, they couldn't just go back to their, you know, mm -hmm. but, yeah. but the fact is, he said, I named it, we said it, and then we've started and it's taken time. And, but I love that. I also like the little, the ways that he helps you look for encouragement. So like at one point in the book, he says they're, they're talking, they're, they're having a conversation at the table or whatever. And the little one says, <clears throat> starts talking about something. And one of the other kids says, well, you know what? Those were his prayer requests. And so this guy realized we've gotten far enough in our devotional time to where my children actually are acknowledging mm -hmm. that our little one doesn't know how to tell us that's what he's wanting us to pray for. He's just telling us about what's happening. And this older child said, well, those are prayer requests. And so mm. it, it was, it was like, you look for these little victories, you know, cause it's messy. And, um, and I think I like that embracing the messiness and not acting like you've got to, you got to start from some perfect place. Yeah. This is know? always far from perfect. Yeah. Well, and, and we uh, talked when we recorded this the first time about, uh, just sometimes we can put this ideal for our family out mm -hmm. there. That's like, you know, every night at nine 15, well, depending on the age of your kid, mm -hmm. every night at seven 15, we'll gather in a room. We'll read the Bible together. Mm -hmm. Angel you know, music will be playing. Angel music right. playing. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, right. Jack will pray. And then. It's been a while then, since say, you've raised children. Yes. <laughs> this does not happen. Yeah. And, and the, and in fact, we as a church aren't even really going to promote that yeah. as success. Yeah. What we want mm -hmm. is it integrated into your whole life, right. which is harder. That's right. Because yeah. kind of give an example of how we're yes. implementing some of these things that we're hit learning. It, hit us with book. it. Yeah. Um, so one of his habits around meal times is he suggests lighting a candle and putting it on the middle of your table, so you bring everyone to the table at the same time. Uh, so you sit down and eat dinner as a family. Um, but we have a candle that sits on the middle of our table now, and we sit down, and I light it because my children are too young to handle fire. And uh, Wise. as it lights, and they would fight over the they would all they would fight over yeah. they fight over who gets to blow it out. But yeah. you know, same progress. Yeah. Um, but as we light it, we all as a family, everyone says Christ is light together, together. And then we pray. And my daughters currently are taking turns praying. So my three year old just prays a very simple prayer that they pray over lunch at our CDC. I bet it's precious. Uh, and it's precious. It's sweet. It's cute. Our older older one is you know right. praying her own prayers and sometimes. Mm -hmm. They are heresy, and sometimes mm -hmm. they are not, and it is what it is. Um, but she's learning to pray. She's practicing praying. We're giving her the opportunity. Um, and then we blow out the candle, and we eat dinner, and we try to talk to each other. We don't have our phones at the table with us. 
um, which is another thing he suggests, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. which is wise because in a few years I'll have mm-hmm. teenagers, yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell them not to have phones at the table. Mm-hmm. So we're just starting now mm-hmm. um, with us. Um, and he doesn't say this in the book, but it's something I thought of as well. When we got a, our dog a few years ago, we went to dog obedience training, mm-hmm. and one of the first things they said to us is, "Dog obedience training, not so much about training the dog; it's about changing you." Mm-hmm. Um, because the dog is responding to you. Mm-hmm. So if you want your dog to do something, you actually have to change yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> right. Let me go find a But there's dog wisdom trainer. in that. And I think there's a lesson <laughs> for parenting. Of, a different animal. Yeah. Ultimately, this about is about cats? changing <laughs> ourselves. Rabbits. Mm-hmm. Fish. And I think they're, I like that, Luke, because it's a simple thing. And it I is. think that is also what I like about that book. It's what I like about Deuteronomy. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's simple. I mean, it's okay when it comes time to go to bed. You know, we we always. I mean, we were book readers, so mm-hmm. Cindy mm-hmm. wanted to read a book, you know, and Cindy wanted to read the Bible, so we read the Bible. And our kids look. Our kids knew that was the signal. You're you know you're winding down. You know the day's coming to an end when mom has a book in her hand. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, this is what we're doing. But they looked forward to it. I can even remember. My kids got older. It's so funny. Both of them are voracious readers. They're both just really smart kids. They, I mean, they just are. They're smart adults. And, and both of them are the kind of kids that will read something one time and go take a test and make 100. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. they, they knock the chart off of, you know, ACTs. or They're just that kid, both mm-hmm. of them. I wonder where they get that from. But, but what's <laughs> funny is even as teenagers, there were times when we would, you know, in the evening or whatever, we would sit down and they would say, "Hey, Dad, why don't you read that? Read that to us." And I would think, well, "Why would I read? Why would I read this to you?" <laughs> you know. But there was just something about it. Even sometimes in the car, we'd be driving, and they're teenagers, and they would say, "Hey, Dad, why don't you read this book to us?" Mm-hmm. And I would think, "Isn't that interesting? That it's so woven into their world. It felt." Um, it felt at home to them to hear their parents reading a book to them. Mm-hmm. And so um, I find that fascinating, but I, lo- I actually love it because mm-hmm. I think it reminded me these habits that started when they were really little still bring them comfort, mm-hmm. you know, even as they got older. And so our granddaughter has introduced to us our little sometimes, not all the time, at meals, we do the, the rose, the thorn, and the sunflower. Mm-hmm. So the kids each tell, or actually everybody, a rose is something really sweet that happened to you today. The thorn is something that was a little harder. And then the sunflower was something just kind of fun, you know, the unexpected. Sweet. And it's interesting. But the other tradition that we have in our home, Cindy started this years ago. Cindy did not grow up in a family that did birthday parties. My family did birthday parties. Mm-hmm. And, and our, for some reason, my parents, our home was the home. So all my cousins, my mm-hmm. aunt and uncle, everybody, everybody's birthday party was always at our house. Um, so I just grew up birthday parties. And so Cindy is a stickler for birthday parties. Okay. And when you have a birthday party, you get the birthday plate, you know, it's your birthday. Oh, is it red? It's red. Does it say you are special? I think so. Yeah. We had a birthday plate. Yeah, so you get a, you and get it was the, red and said yeah, you're you get special. The, you get the plate mm-hmm. and you get your dessert. So Cindy, she knows what everybody likes. So you get, mm-hmm. you get the dessert that's yours. Well, I need three of those plates. Yes. In my home. <laughs> That's right. is what I'm thinking from this three corner desserts. of the podcast <laughs> studio. Desserts. But then when you when we sit down at the table, sing happy birthday, you go around the table and everybody says what they like, love, appreciate about the birthday person. Mm. 
And, and it's just a tradition. What's funny is if you kind of get in a hurry now in our family and you don't think about it, one of the kids will say, well, we haven't even had that. We haven't had birthday talk. Mm-hmm. We haven't even said, mm-hmm. wait a minute, we can't yeah. get up yet. And you've said there's some sweet moments. There are. For well, one year, <clears throat> just a couple years ago, our two grandsons, Connor and Josh, are, they're now 16, 15. Um, well, just a couple years ago, two ten, and the two boys, Hannah adopted them when they were really little. And so they've, they've had some challenges, but they're great boys, but they're very close. They're almost like twins really, because they've just been so close for and so they're long. they're only a year apart. A year right? apart. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, it was Connor's birthday and we get around to Joshua, the younger one. And it's his turn to speak affirmation to Connor. And he starts talking about his brother and starts crying. And at first, Connor wasn't sure how to respond to it. So he kind of poked fun at his brother. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Joshua punched him and he punched him back. And then it kind of got quiet. And all of a sudden, Connor got kind of teary-eyed because his brother mm-hmm. was teary-eyed. Well, you can just imagine all of us. It was one of those moments where we're all kind of looking at each other going, oh, my goodness. You know, there's, this is, um, it's meaningful to them, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that affirmed to me that little habit. It's not that big a deal, really, mm-hmm. but it's a big deal in our family because, and we have a lot of people now, so we have a lot of birthdays. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Adrian, our son-in-law's, our son's wife, our daughter-in-law, a lot of times now their family will come over, and now they've joined in the tradition, mm-hmm. and so they all know, you know when it comes time for the birthday, you're going to go around That's the so room, great. and it's just it's a cool thing. Well, and it's to to be seen and affirmed. Mm-hmm. In a safe family setting mm-hmm. is transformative, right? Mm-hmm. That you know you're mm-hmm. loved and it's secure mm-hmm. and people can look you in the eyes and tell you how they feel about mm-hmm. you. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not, not everybody has that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it mm-hmm. seems simple, but it's, it's formational mm-hmm. and it's yeah. a habit, right? There is. Two things that really stand out to me is use the quote from Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, mm-hmm. the love is at the root of all learning, all parenting, all relationships, love or the lack of it. Uh, and then Justin Whitmore early, I think takes that quote kind of extends it talks about how our households are these tools of love. Mm-hmm. Um, but that happens through the routine. Mm-hmm. Children need that stability of love. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's what shapes them, what molds them. And so mm-hmm. as you are thinking about how you impress your children or your grandchildren or the children in your life, um, impress them with God's love, impress them with your love. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to take a children's ministry class in seminary. I say had to because it wasn't my track. I really wasn't interested in any of that, uh, but I needed to graduate. And so in— And we're glad you did. We are. Yeah, me too. I, I wanted that degree. I had worked pretty hard on it. But I needed to graduate, and it, it fit in, like, my last year of seminary. I think mm-hmm. it was an August class, and it, which is rare. And it was, like, a one-week August class, children's ministry. But this woman who came in, from she was a guest teacher at Truett, and she was very good. But she said, write down your earliest spiritual memories. You know, as you mm-hmm. not not after you got saved, quote unquote, but I mean your earliest memories mm-hmm. that you would consider spiritual, like formative children's mm-hmm. memories. And one of my formative memories was just being tucked in at night by my parents. Wow! And they would uh, read. We would just. Uh, my parents didn't really grow up in in church in the same in the same way, so we kind of grew together spiritually. And so it wasn't real deep. And I, I mean, if they were listening to this, we would all mm-hmm. agree on it. But it was it was very fun. It was, they're very present. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mean to derail, but my dad, my mom would host this talk show that was based on David Letterman, but hosted by my teddy bear. And then my dad would be a special guest mm-hmm. most. And then my other teddy bears would be other guests. And, so, and my brother would That's be awesome. there too. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> I hope to do something similar. Right. Or, or the modern era for <laughs> Jack Ben and Sam. But my mom would host it. 
it was hilarious. <laughs> my parents have great senses of humor. And then uh, we would say our prayers and then go to bed. Mm. And I remember that. Uh, but I, she asked us to draw pictures in this class of our early spiritual experiences. So um, one, it's a fun practice if you've never done it to think about how you're mm -hmm. shaped at such an early age. Mm -hmm. But I had a few other ones. One of my neighbors invited me to the Hell's Gates, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Fury. Mm -hmm. I did not grow up in a fundamentalist setting, but it was a real fundamentalist. Mm -hmm. And it was like a, a presentation of, mm -hmm. it was like a play and they didn't want you to go to hell. Right. And so at the end you had, you prayed the sinner's prayer and they right. kind of pushed me down the aisle. Right. I, to this day, it is not a spiritual experience for me. It was just a thing I did because they wanted me to walk the aisle. I remember yeah. going back and meeting with a counselor and being like, like a prayer counselor and just, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. They just wanted me to walk down here. <laughs> Later, I had more significant experiences walking aisles. And we're glad about that. Yes. But that was not one of them. <laughs> All that to say, uh, a fascinating. Uh, the other, th the third one was that my grandma gave me the Left Behind series for kids, there which also go. had awesome. probably more of a Hell's, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Furies. <laughs> you just had a dream it. about it night. The <laughs> other end of the spectrum, though, was when I was really little. I just remember this little bedroom in my memory with these little rainbows on the wall and my mom tucking me in and us doing a David Letterman style bedtime and then saying our prayers. But it was secure mm -hmm. and it was safe. Mm -hmm. I knew I was I knew I was loved. Yeah. And I knew I knew I didn't I didn't think the boogeyman could come get me because I had that secure, safe place in that home. And that is one of my earliest like forming memories of God and your parents help you do that. But they weren't, you know, getting a PhD in theology. Right. They were just trying to make me feel loved. And and knew that we needed to acknowledge God in our life at the end of the day, you yeah, know. So, I love that. Anyway, that was kind of meandering, but <laughs> no, it's good. Andy and, and I, Kathy Reed, great parents. <laughs> and you know, I think, parents. I think what I would say to parents, those kinds of things, you may not realize how important they are, but in retrospect, pretty incredible. You know, who is it? I can't remember who it is. It's not. I think it was Mark Twain, some writer, some American writer, when his dad died. He had kept a journal as a kid, and his dad, he knew his dad had kept a journal, and he <clears throat> um, he just happened to be looking through him one day, and like in his journal, it was something like, my dad took me fishing today, and we just talked about life, and it was so much fun. And then he looked at his dad's journal from that very same day, and it said something like, got nothing done today, had to take the sun fishing, mm. wasted day. Mm. Not that the dad was a terrible guy, but it was like he evidently had a plan for that day and, and he had to take his son fishing. Well, his son's perspective was this is one of the greatest days of my life, you know? And uh, so I think for us as parents and grandparents, just remember that our kids are, they're important enough for us to spend time with them. And one of the best ways to me that you spend time with them is in the everyday. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways to reinforce the everyday is to have really good habits mm -hmm. and then learn how to be flexible in the moment, you know? Um, and I'm, for me as a grandparent, I would tell you, I'm, I'm trying to do that with my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and it's a, it's a, it's a fulfilling thing. And I would also say to parents, it's not too late. Start where you are. Don't mm -hmm. start from where you wish you were. Start from where you are. And uh, let's give God a chance to work. You never know when mm -hmm. a new habit can be formed. I think that's a great closing thought. Yeah, it is. That it, you're not too far gone. Even if your kids are going to leave the house in a week, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and move out. All mind. of your habits renew once. Yeah. Not too late. I no. like it. Start, Amen. Start where you are, say. says D-Dub. Amen. Well, thank you all for joining us. Mm -hmm. Let's just try to be good parents. And let's try to be a church that helps parents be good parents. And may, we, may it be so. Amen. Amen. <laughs> be honest with you.
listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.